Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. Consider subscribing to get notifications the next time we post a podcast. And if you enjoy this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share with a friend or on social media. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Rich Larson. Uh, thank you for joining us again tonight on the weekly list. Uh, Dan and I took a break this week, so please enjoy this encore presentation of the Cosmic American Music Show featuring the music of Graham Parsons, which was originally presented on September 17th, 2020. <laughs>
Of all the characters in the history of American music, few are harder to get your hands around than Graham Parsons, yet fewer still have had his lasting and reaching influence. Parsons is a cult figure who straddled the line between country music and rock and roll with what he called cosmic American music. It was a radical notion at the time, the idea that country and rock music could be blended so deeply together into a song that one could hardly discern one from the other. But from that idea came country rock, outlaw country, southern rock, cowpunk, alt-country, Americana, and pretty much everything on Top 40 Country Radio today. In the age of Lil Nas X and Old Town Road, the concept of blending the two genres almost seems quaint, but had it not been for Graham Parsons, it might not have happened, and the music of the last 50 years could have been very, very different. Parsons was a mercurial guy, charming and good-looking and ridiculously talented. He made friends easily, but few people got close to him. He was restless and he had a difficult time staying in one place for a long time, and he seemed to regard success as something to be courted but never committed to. His music is a mirror image of the man who created it, defying easy explanation but perfectly recognizable when played. Parsons didn't spend enough time in this world to become the household name he should have been, dying at 26 of a heroin overdose on September 19, 1973. But the music he left was a blueprint for so much of the music that has come since that he has to be regarded as one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. So tonight, we're going to remember the music that Graham Parsons left, and we're going to hear just a fraction of the incredible music that came along after he was gone but never would have seen the light of day had he not been here. My name is Rich Larson. This is the Weekly List. Well, good evening, everybody. You're listening to 95.1 KYMN Radio in beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of The Weekly List. Graham Parsons, to me, is one of the most fascinating people in the, the, the history of music. He was a rascal. He was a scoundrel. He was charismatic. Uh, everything seemed to come easy to him. But he was also kind of a tortured guy. Um, he knew that he could just, he could, he always knew that he could just do so much better than whatever he was doing. Um, he was brilliant. The, the guy was brilliant. He attended Harvard university and, and, and yes, he did drop out after one semester, but the guy got into Harvard. He was also the child of two alcoholic parents who both died way too soon. His father, committed suicide when he was 12 years old, when Graham was 12 years old, and his mother uh, died of cirrhosis of the liver the day he graduated from high school. He was always looking to do something that he couldn't really define. Um, He called what he did cosmic American music because those were words that fit together pretty well, particularly in the late 60s. but it's also because it's a really vague phrase and it didn't put any borders on the music he made. Um, but the fact that he couldn't define the music in his head um, made him, he was restless and impatient. Um, you know, he, he joined the birds and he guided them to making one of the most important albums of their career. And then he quit. And then he formed the flying burrito brothers, one of the most influential bands of all time. Uh, but he left the group after two, brilliant albums had had put them on the cusp of stardom 
And then he made two incredible solo albums. Uh, the second one featuring another person with generational talent with, with whom he could have had a long and lucrative and highly successful partnership. But before that album was even released, he died. So, okay, so now on the surface, you're left with another story of a musician who should have been a superstar but died before he got there. But if you look deeper, it's just, it's so much more than that. One of the most interesting facets of the story is that, you know, to most people in the world, Graham Parsons is largely unknown and, dare I say it, forgotten. But to the people who remember him or who heard about him and then listened to his music, he's a giant. He's a legend. Uh, there's just not a lot of in-between with Graham Parsons. But even the people who don't know his music have heard something uh, that is here because of him. Keith Richards was a, a close friend of Graham's, and this is what he wrote in 2010 in his autobiography, Life. Graham Parsons was a bold man. Quote, sorry, quote, Graham Parsons was a bold man. This guy never had a hit record. Some good sellers, but nothing to point to. Yet his influence now is stronger than ever. Basically, you wouldn't have had Waylon Jennings. He wouldn't have had all that outlaw movement without Graham Parsons. He showed them a new approach that country music isn't just this narrow thing that appeals to rednecks. He did it single-handed. He wasn't a crusader or anything like that. He loved country music, but he didn't really like the country music business and didn't think it should be angled just at Nashville. The music's bigger than that. It should touch everybody. Unquote. So then, okay, the show tonight, it's not as much about Graham Parsons as it is about his legacy and his influence. But to get to that music, we need to set the context. So we start at the beginning. Okay. First song we heard tonight was Hickory Wind by The Birds from their absolute landmark album, Sweetheart of the Rodeo. Now, make no mistake, folks, Sweetheart of the Rodeo does not happen without Graham Parsons. Um, in 1967, uh, the Birds were one of the biggest American bands in the world, probably the biggest American band in the world. But three of the key members uh, had left. First, Gene Clark quit the band, and then Michael Clark quit, and then David Crosby got kicked out. Uh, left Roger McGuinn and, and Chris Hillman as the the two remaining founding members, and they were looking for some new blood when someone suggested uh, Graham Parsons. Hillman, Chris Hillman was, was casually acquainted with Graham, and, and McGuinn was agreeable because he had the idea of making an album that would trace the history of American music from bluegrass to blues and jazz to some weird, like, futuristic electronic stuff. McGuinn has often said that... Um, when Graham came on board, quote, I thought I was hiring a jazz piano player, unquote. And, you know, I mean, Parsons could play jazz, but he was a, he was a country musician first. He'd grown up in the Deep South, and he had a love uh, that actually bordered on reverence for Merle Haggard. And, and, and that's the music he wanted to make. So first, he steered McGuinn away from the idea of a wide-ranging album, got him to focus on the, 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 the bluegrass country side of things. And then he convinced the rest of the band that they should leave Los Angeles and record in Nashville, which, which they did. And that lasted for a little while, but uh, you know, eventually McGuinn, 
he got annoyed with the amount of influence Parsons was uh, uh, was taking over the the whole project, and he moved the recording uh, back to L.A. Uh, Sweetheart of the Rodeo was an album a lot of people did not understand uh, when it was released. They didn't get it. It was it was way too country for rock radio, and there was no way country radio was going to play anything by the Birds. Um, it was widely panned at the time by the critics. But within 10 years, uh, it came to be revered as a change in direction for American music. Uh, Hickory Wind was a song that Parsons had written with the guys in his former group, the International Submarine Band, uh, but had not recorded. It's just a, you know, it's just a sentimental ballad about the area where he grew up, even though he grew up in southwest Georgia and not in South Carolina, which is I'm sort of typical Parsons misdirection, but... Um, and it became, you know, really his signature song. Uh, but the birds obviously were just not the right band for Graham Parsons. Uh, he and McGuinn had differing visions for the band's direction. And Parsons was never even really a full fledged member of the band. He was, I mean, he was just hired on and, and, and put on salary. So he and Hillman both left uh, after Sweetheart of the Rodeo, and they formed the Flying Burrito Brothers, along with uh, bassist Chris Etheridge, who had been a, a part of the International Submarine Band, and the legendary steel guitar player, now legendary, I don't know if he was legendary back then or not, but the now legendary steel guitar player, Sneaky Pete Kleino. Uh, their first album, The Gilded Palace of Sin, is, you know, to me, uh, the closest Graham ever got to really creating that balance of multiple genres that he wanted. Cosmic American music is, is it's country based, but it has it has rock sensibilities and it's got the feel of R&B and, and the swing of jazz and, and the depth of, of blues. And Graham wanted all of that in his music and he just took from wherever he wanted. This song is a perfect example of that. From 1969's The Gilded Palace of Sin, this is the Flying Burrito Brothers with Hot Burrito Number 2, a 95.1 KYMN. Yes, you.
was Lucinda Williams uh, from her 1998 album Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Um, and that song was uh, was was Drunken Angel. That that song is not uh, about Graham Parsons, although it it may, it may as well have been. Uh, it's about an Austin singer songwriter actually named Blaze Foley who who was murdered uh, in 1989 and went on to become a a, a cult figure himself. Um. That album, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, that was that was Lucinda's breakthrough album. It was her, it was her fifth album, but it was her first to you know incorporate a little more southern rock, a little more Texas blues. Uh, it, it's it's really an album that sort of set this whole Americana movement uh, in motion, or you know really pushed it uh, pushed it forward. And you can hear Graham Parsons' influence all all over that album. Um, next up, we have the guy who, to me, uh, is the latest in a line of spiritual successors to Graham Parsons, Mr. Jason Isbell. Uh, first of all, I'm on record as saying this, and, and I still believe it, that Jason Isbell is the best working songwriter in the country right now under the age of 50. Uh, nobody right now is making better music, better music than Jason Isbell. And if you don't believe me, uh, you need to look no farther than his most recent album, uh, Reunions, that came out in May. Isbell, he he's he's just a master of Americana music, and and we should talk about Americana for a second. Americana music is a, it's a less cumbersome, more refined label for cosmic American music. Um, typically, Americana. Uh, brings in elements of country and blues and all that that rootsy stuff, 
Uh, it typically has some acoustic elements to it. Uh, it can sound like old school 1950s rock and roll. It can sound like rockabilly. It can sound like country. It can be really folky. Sometimes it can be really bluesy. And usually it's, it's some combination of those elements. Um, <clears throat> the label Americana was created uh, sometime in the early 1980s. Because you had all these people like John Prine and Emmy Lou Harris, and Emmy Lou's a huge figure in Graham's story, and we're going to get to her in a little while. And you had bands like Little Feet and the Mavericks who just, they defied genre. Uh, so they created this catch-all name, Americana, and now people are winning Grammys for making Americana music. Man, it's a, it's a genre that was invented by Graham Parsons. Anyway, this is another great example of the kind of music we're talking about. Um, from his 2015 album, Something More Than Free, this is Jason Isbell with If It Takes a Lifetime on 95.1 KYMN, The One. Hey! 
Want to scratch my itch, sweet Annie Rich And welcome me back to town Come out on your porch or step into your parlor And I'll tell you how it all went down Out with the truckers and the kickers and the cowboy angels And a good salute in every single town Oh, and I remembered something you once told me From Cheyenne to Tennessee We flew straight across that river bridge Last night at past two Switchman waved his lantern goodbye today As we went rolling through Billboards and truck stops passed by the grievous angel Now I know just what I have to do Pick it for me, Jane Yeah. 
was the man himself, Graham Parsons, with Return of the Grievous Angel from his album, the posthumous rele- posthumously released, I've always had trouble with that word, posthumously, posthumously released Grievous Angel. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro that uh, Graham died of a heroin overdose and, and that the anniversary of his passing is, uh, is going to be on Saturday. Um, Graham had addiction in his DNA. He came from a hard-drinking, hard-partying family, and he never really shied away from experimenting with whatever you presented to him. Um, There's an old joke that the only uh, two things that would survive a nuclear war, there's another word I have problems with, nuclear, a nuclear war, um, are cockroaches and Keith Richards. And that's because Keith Richards has done more drugs in his lifetime than probably any other human in their 70s. And the man is still standing. The man is still upright. The man is still healthy. It's crazy. Well, one of the reasons Graham and Keith Richards were so close was that Graham could keep up with Keith in, in that department. Keith uh, Keith has said many times that um, Graham had better cocaine than the mafia. And, and Graham didn't, he didn't hide it either. When he was in the Flying Burrito Brothers, um, the band all had suits made by the, uh, the, the famous and very eccentric Taylor Nudie Cone. Um, and nudie code made nudie suits and, and Graham's nudie suit, um, featured patches in the shapes of, you know, marijuana leaves and pills and, and sugar cubes laced with LSD. As a music fan, um, there's just nothing more frustrating than watching your favorite musicians die early from drugs or because of drugs. And I mean, you can make your own list of people that we've lost. It just, it just happens way too often. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, Justin Towns Earl, uh, died of a suspected overdose. And that's just, I mean, that's just a prime example of, of what we're talking about here. Justin Towns Earl was a phenomenal singer songwriter who made his own brand of that Americana folky rootsy cosmic American music. Uh, he's probably best known as the son of Steve Earl, who we'll get to in a minute, but uh, his music stood up on its own terms. Um, a few years ago, I went to see Steve Earl, and he spent some time talking about his son and how proud he was of him. Um, it's just really, it's been really painful to read about this because I'm such a fan of his dad, and his dad has had his own problems with drugs. I mean, it's just, it's tough. Um Justin Towns Earl was on that that same trail as his father and that so many other people that that was blazed by Graham Parsons, and he was an outstanding songwriter. Um, This song that we're going to play is is written from the point of view of a Confederate soldier uh, during the Civil War who is disillusioned with the reasons he's been given for fighting. And it's a really good song. from his 2008 album, The Good Life, this is the late Justin Towns Earl with Lone Pine Hill, a 95.1 KYMN. I swear I see her in my dreams sometimes, held up in the middle of the night, shaking like a pistol in a young man's hand there in the pale moonlight. 
Standing up atop of that lonely hill Sped by the company mine It's my blue-eyed baby with a best dress on In the shadow of a lonely pine I'll be back before the war when the company came These hills grew wild and free me and baby, we'd hide in the hollers low, away from the cruel sun sea. But then they knocked down the timber and burn off the brush to get to the riches below. And when they pulled out, they left a cold black ground and one pine standing alone. So take me home. Sixty-one. I'm an army of Virginia pan I've been from Manassas to McConaughey All the way to Sailor's Creek Fighting for my homeland I've been four years gone And all hope lost in Richmond under seeds And we're digging out five folks Waiting in the rain to shed And bring us to our knees So take me home There's a strange moon hanging overhead tonight And if the rain keeps coming then the creek's gonna rise But with the good Lord's grace I'll make it out of this place And I'll be in your arms come the morning light I swear Speed, grant me forgiveness and carry me all through the night. Take me through your hills and over your rivers, away from this awful fight. Cause I ain't never known a man that's ever owned another, and ain't never owned nothing of my own. So after four long years, I just can't tell you what the hell I've been fighting for. So take me home. Everything had for my time, but I've been told 
Steve Earle with the title track from his 1988 album Copperhead Road. Steve Earle is is a big reason that I went looking to educate myself about Graham Parsons. Um, in in the summer of 1989, uh, I didn't think I liked country music all that much, but then I went to a Bob Dylan concert and and Steve Earle was the opening act, and it was a a true eye-opening experience sort of on that like that saint augustine as if scales fell from mine eyes type level right okay i could not believe what i was seeing and what i was hearing i mean he was a guy that had been marketed as a full-on country artist and was was part of a movement that the press was calling new traditionalist and was being lumped in with other people like like Lyle Lovett and Dwight Yoakam, both both of whom I developed a great appreciation for later on. 
But this guy rocked as hard as anyone I'd ever seen. And his music was, was definitely country, but I also heard elements of Celtic music in there and definitely some, some folk. And I mean, holy moly, when he played Copperhead Road, man, he blew the roof off of an outdoor amphitheater. All right. I mean, there have been a few times when I've gone to a show and I've just been blown away by the opening act, but no one has ever left as lasting an imprint on me as Steve Earle did. And it was, it was probably the first moment I thought to myself, if this is country music, then I love it. Okay, I, uh, I hope you're enjoying this encore presentation of uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, shows that, uh, that I did, the Cosmic American Music Show, um, featuring Graham Parsons and his music and, you know, talking about his influence and stuff. I love this show, and it's really one of those shows that I, I honestly probably couldn't uh, do with Danny just because he doesn't dig on Graham Parsons or, or you know, country music the way I do. But... Uh, um, anyway, thank you for, uh, Dan and I just both needed to take a break this week and we thank you for rolling with, uh, uh, being patient with us if, as the case may be here. Um, so like I said, we, we, we interrupt this special encore presentation of the cosmic American music show, uh, to update the commercial because right now you don't want to hear about, uh, the way things were happening at imminent brewing a year ago. You that doesn't do you any good, but you want to know about what's happening at Imminent Brewing right now. So we want to thank Laura and Derek Myers for making the weekly list possible every week by sponsoring the show and, you know, for being just great people. Um, you know, we always start these uh, these commercials by talking about what's happening uh, with any COVID restrictions. And, and I, I know you're sick of hearing about it because I am incredibly sick of talking about it. But you know, there is a school of thought out there that this stupid Delta variant might be, might be peaking. I, Certainly, I hope so. Um, but it is still out there. And, you know, Eminem Brewing believes in social responsibility. So if you have been vaccinated, um, you are not required to wear a mask, but it is strongly encouraged. If you have not been vaccinated, well, uh, I mean, you are not required to wear a mask, but it is still strongly encouraged. I am fully vaccinated. But I continue to wear a mask behind the bar because I know I can still contract the virus um, and I can still spread the virus. And I do not want to make anyone sick. Really, it's, it's just that simple. It's something everyone else should think about. Okay? You should think about it. All right. Here endeth the sermon. There's live music uh, this week with the always entertaining Mark Kreitzer uh, tomorrow night. Mark has been uh, playing for crowds in the upper Midwest and, and points east and west and north and south for decades and he's one of those guys who can who can play anything with strings on it so he's he's on stage tomorrow night from uh 7 to 9 p.m he's great mark's a great guy he's a wonderful singer he plays a lot of music that you know uh doesn't play anything you don't know frankly and uh he's just he's a lot of fun dragon squirrel juicy ipa cannon river pale ale wolf creek ipa tangerine dragon squirrel juicy ipa go for the gosa which is a german sour Lil R&R, R&R stands for Raspberry Rhubarb, Honey Basil Ale, Pineapple Mountain Wheat, Question Mark Hill Wheat, Oktoberfest. Well, that Oktoberfest is, it's amazing. It's great. And now the Double Agent J Double IPA are all on tap. Uh, the Double Agent, I, uh, Double Agent J is only available in the tap room. You can't get the Double Agent J to go. Sorry. 
Food trucks this week, uh, Brick Oven Bus tomorrow night, Evan's Eatery on Saturday. Um, nothing announced yet for Sunday, but stay tuned because, you know, there'll probably be something. Eminent Brewing is open from 4 to 9 p.m. on Thursdays and Fridays. 4 to 9 p.m. Thursdays and Fridays. 2 to 9 on Saturdays when I generally work there. And 2 to 7 on Sundays. All right, now back to Graham Parsons. As I was saying, watching Steve Earle uh, was really the first time I thought about country music in a good light. But if that's true, then this next band, Lone Justice, uh, laid the groundwork for that. I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm the only person left in, in the world, certainly the only person doing radio, who even remembers Lone Justice. And I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like Lone Justice was this gigantic band and, and uh, uh, somehow just vanished off the face of the earth because they were never, uh, you know, they were never even, you know, got to the point where they were really playing arenas. But um, that was a band that I just, that I just loved. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm not sure. I, I know I've played some lone justice on the show before. I'm not sure if I've ever told the story on the radio. I'm going to tell it now because it's, it's, it's such a strange way for me to have heard, uh, the kind of music that in my adulthood I've really come to love. And, and even though this happened 35 years ago, I'm not divulging any names uh, because I want to protect anyone who might be deemed as a, a guilty party. Um, I love Lone Justice and by extension, I suppose, country music um, because I was once accomplice to a crime. Um, it was 1985. And a really good friend who would talk with me about music almost nonstop. It was just, I mean, it was the perfect buddy for me to have at, at, at that point in my life. And I was really trying to figure out what was good and what I liked. And, you know, we both read magazines like Rolling Stone and Spin. And we paid attention to the music that was in the press. And, and, and we, you know, we both kept reading about this band, Lone Justice, who had, who had just put out their debut album. And, and they were getting no airplay on Twin Cities music back then, or really even at that point on MTV. But the critics loved this band. And, and my friend decided that he really wanted to hear them. So one day we're at our, our local record shop and, and my friend said to me, I'm going to steal that Lone Justice album. Uh, <laughs> I had one copy of it on cassette and I had to stand lookout while he, uh, he pried it out of that plastic like anti-theft cassette holder. Made a huge crack uh, when he finally got it out, but nobody noticed, and we hauled ass out of that place. And <laughs> a couple of days later, I was over at his house, and uh, and I asked him, "How do you like the album?" And he was like, "Eh, this is way too country for me. You, I mean, you can have it if you want it." So I took it home, and and yeah, that's a, there's a lot of country to it, but I I fell in love with this band. Um, okay, so there's my story. Singer. <laughs> Maria McKee, uh, to this day, Maria McKee, I think has one of the best voices I've ever heard. And there was just something so familiar and so exciting, uh, about the sound of Ryan Hedgecock's guitar. And I remember reading an interview with a band around that same time. And Hedgecock was saying we were a straight country band until, uh, Maria discovered the velvet underground, which then led me to go out and find the velvet underground. And then I read somewhere else that lone justice would have, would have been, 
uh, Graham Parsons' favorite band in 1985, and that might have been the first time I've heard of Graham Parsons. Um, anyway, anyway, this next song it's is pure cosmic American music of 1985. From their self-titled debut album, here's Lone Justice with Sweet Sweet Baby I'm Falling, 95.1 KYM.
so fast that you're spinning your wheels Don't feel too bad, you're not all alone We're all trying to get along With everybody else trying to go their way You're bound to get tripped, and what can you say? from their 1974 album on the border with my man. Um, that song was written by Bernie Leiden, uh, who actually had joined the, the flying burrito brothers for their, their second album, uh, burrito deluxe. And, and so he'd been a bandmate of Graham Parsons for about a year. Um, after, uh, Graham left the burrito brothers, uh, Leiden teamed up with Glenn Fry and Don Henley and Randy Meisner to form the Eagles. And Leiden, when when he put the when they were putting the band together, he pictured a a band that was very similar to the Flying Burrito Brothers, and uh, it became something very different once uh, Fry and Henley exerted control over things. Um, when Graham passed away in 1973, uh, Bernie wrote "My Man" as a tribute to his friend, and then actually wound up leaving the band a year later uh, when they were in the middle of making their next album, One of These Nights. 
it, it should be noted, um, friendship aside, uh, Graham Parsons hated the Eagles. <laughs> Uh, calling them plastic and dry and using um, some other words that I I, I can't say on the radio. Okay, so it's weird that we're this far into a show about cosmic American music and only now are we really getting to Emmylou Harris. Um, If cosmic American music or whatever you want to call it, if, if that was Graham's greatest contribution to American culture, then introducing the world to Emmylou Harris was his second greatest contribution. Um, there are, and, and, and frankly, folks, I, it's pretty close. <laughs> um, there, are, there are conflicting stories about how Graham and Emmylou found each other. It was, it was either Chris Hillman saw her performing in a club in Maryland one night and then called Graham because he knew that Graham was looking for a female singer for the album he was working on, or Graham himself found her in that Maryland club and, and immediately uh, asked her to join his band. Uh, either way, Emmylou did join Graham's band, and she did sing on both of his solo albums, GP and, and then Grievous Angel. Uh, Graham, in fact, had um, he had intended to build a second album as Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris, but when he passed away, the record company just released it as a Graham Parsons solo album. Um. All right, their their partnership was, I mean, really one of the great teamings in music, as far as I'm concerned. The, the blend of their voices is absolutely gorgeous, um, and Emmy Lou had an uncanny ability to follow Graham wherever he would go uh, on stage. Graham Parsons never sang a song the same way twice, but Emmy Lou would be able to anticipate where he was going, would just lock in with him and sing exactly what he was singing. Um, it's kind of immaterial, uh, but no one's ever really figured out if they were a, a couple or not, but the chemistry between the two was, was so strong that it's, I mean, it's impossible for their fans to not believe that they, uh, they weren't a couple. I mean, of course they were, right? So... Graham passed away and, and, and thankfully Emmy Lou was able to get a record contract almost right away. And, and she kept working for years and years with a number of the guys who had, had been in Graham's band. Uh, to this day, if you go to an Emmy Lou Harris concert, uh, for all she has done and for all she has accomplished, you'll still hear two or three Graham Parsons songs. Um, this is a song she wrote for him after he passed away. And it's, it's become one of her signature songs. Uh, from the album that really launched her solo career, 1975's Pieces of the Sky, here is Boulder to Birmingham by Emmy Lou Harris. A 95.1 KYMN, The One. I don't want to hear a love song I got on the airplane just to fly And I know there's life below me But all that you can Show me is the prairie and the sky And I don't want to hear a sad story Full of heartbreak and desire The last time I felt like this I was in the
Stones with wild horses. There is, there's a lot of mythology that surrounds Graham Parsons. And one of the great mysteries that people love to ponder is this one. Did Graham Parsons write wild horses? Now, Mick Jagger says, absolutely not. Uh, Keith Kreethrich has been a little more coy about it. He just talks about, uh, having put his 12-string guitar into an open tuning and then just sort of listening to the song write itself. Graham never claimed to have written the song. Um, however, uh, it did first appear on the Flying Burritos, uh, Fly, Flying Burrito Brothers uh, album, Burrito Deluxe, which came out almost a full year before the Stones recorded it for their album, Sticky Fingers. Um Keith and Graham were certainly, they were spending a ton of time together, 1970 and 1971. And it would have been extremely odd if these two guys hadn't played some music together and like took a stab at writing a song or two, right? Finally, you know, Graham kept a, a, a number of songwriting notebooks and Wild Horses is actually in one of those notebooks where he was, he was obviously, he was working things out in that song. Uh, there are, there are, there are chord notes in there and there are words scratched out and replaced. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, uh, you know, I don't really like conspiracy theories or whatever. I don't know why, uh, if Graham Parsons wrote wild horses, why the, uh, the stones would have taken credit for it. But, um, you know, if nothing else, um, that song does il illustrate the, uh, the influence, uh, that he had on, on the world's greatest rock and roll band. Well, folks, that's going to just about do it for this edition of the Weekly List. Um, if you like the show and you want to hear more, you can visit our program page on the KYMN website at kymnradio.net. Or you can go find our Facebook page under the Weekly List where I post every new show every Friday morning. You should also go like the KYMN Facebook page. Uh, if you're going to spend time on Facebook, it's a great idea to pay attention to the KYMN page throughout the pandemic and for, you know, a long time before then, uh, Jeff Johnson and Terry Knight have done an incredible job of keeping us updated on what's going on with schools and hospitals, local government, local business, 
Um, it's the best source for all your local news and everything that they do, all those interviews, all those stories. Everything lands on that Facebook page. So give them a like. And also you should go like the uh, Imminent Brewing Facebook page as well uh, as they navigate their way through this pandemic and all the restrictions and special rules for businesses like theirs. Uh, things are always changing. Things are always being fine-tuned. And, and we, uh, you know, as we've just seen in the last couple of weeks, things will change. So the Imminent Brewing Facebook page is, is the best way to keep abreast of what's going on over there. So please give them a like as well. All right, we're going to leave you tonight with the final song on Graham's Grievous Angel album. Um, this is another great example of, of the direction you can go with cosmic American music, because to me, this has almost a gospel feel to it. Um, it also has the distinction of being the first time that Emmy Lou Harris and Linda Ronstadt sang together. I mean, that's enough history right there to make this song historically significant, in my opinion. So... Uh, from his 1974 posthumously released album, Grievous Angel. Here is Graham Parsons with In My Hour of Darkness. Thanks for listening, folks. I'll talk to you guys again next week. young man went driving through the night miles and miles without a word but just his high beam lights who'd have ever thought they'd build such a deadly Denver bend to be so strong to take so
paid just like the book And he never missed a page And I loved him like my father And I loved him like my friend And I knew his time would shortly come But I did not know just when In my hour of darkness local news and events. Rich Larson hosts a daily newscast Monday through Friday, as well as updates and other community news. And it's free. Stop by KYMNRadio.net frequently and look for updates on our Facebook page for news stories and community events. KYMN Radio is 95.1 The One. Thanks for listening to this KYMN radio podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it interesting, consider leaving us a review and sharing this podcast on social media. You can find more podcasts like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcasts, simply by searching the KYMN radio podcast. And of course, you can listen to us live on 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and on our website. KYMN is your home for real radio, true variety, 